This is Warren Gilman. I'm the founder, chairman, and CEO of Queens Road Capital, Toronto-listed resource investment company. We've just announced a $100 million private placement, 80 of which is already placed to my five largest shareholders, many of them household names in Australia, uh, vehicles of Andrew Forrest, Jack Cowan, Brett Blundy, et cetera, et cetera. And we're going to continue to go grow Queens Road. And Matt, it's a pleasure to meet you and chat about it once again. Well, it's good to see you. It's been, it's been over a year, far, far too long. I'm in, intrigued when I saw the announcement as to what you're going to be doing. But I'm, I'm going to sort of take you back a little bit, just for people new to this story, because it has been a while, is um, you, know, you, you said you were a private entity. You went public uh, when, we, when we last spoke. Um, can you just tell people about the sorts of deals that you have done historically and that you uh, will be looking to do? Because I think you're, you're a big convert guy, as, as am I, um, but not everyone understands how those things work. Absolutely, Matt. Yeah, Queen's Road, as you mentioned, is focused on converts, uh, and that is the bulk of our portfolio and will continue to be. It's a strategy that was honed uh, through 10 years of working for Mr. Lee, Lee Ka-shing here in Hong Kong, uh, doing exactly the same thing. Mr. Lee was very demanding about protecting his money, receiving a dividend every year, and still getting upside exposure to the resource sector. Uh, and converts are ideal for that. Converts protect your money, give you downside protection, pay me a dividend every year, which I pass on to my shareholders. We are a dividend paying company, but give us unlimited upside on our resource investments. So it's a wonderful structure and it helps companies build mines and develop deposits. Uh, so that's why we focus on converts. Uh, when we first met, uh, a little bit over a year ago, we had completed three converts. Uh, we've done two more investments since then, spent all the original money that I had raised two Februarys ago. And with this placement, we're going to continue to grow the company and focus on converts. Brilliant. Okay. I think that's, that's a good catch up. I, I, I was hoping you'd tell us the, uh, the Lee Cushing um, a, a mantra, which is uh, don't lose my money. I want to be paid to use my money and don't make your problems my problems. I just love that. But let's look forward. You, let me ask you this question, which is, you've been public for a while. I mean, have you enjoyed that process? Was it essential to you? I mean, given that 80% of this 100 million private placement has come from existing uh, shareholders, do you need to be public? Yeah, and, and over 80% of the first placement came from those share, same shareholders. Uh, so it's a repeat performance. And one might argue that given that track record, uh, one really doesn't need to be public. Uh, but the shareholders like it. Uh, and, and when I say the shareholders, I mean, in particular, my very large shareholders. Queens Road started off as a private company. Uh, and uh, we had a number of investments held privately the public company was meant to be a vehicle to do something else. Uh, but the shareholders themselves said, no, Warren, 
we'd like to put money into that, grow that business as a public business. Eventually, uh, we expect our capital raises will be dominated by mainline institutions in Toronto, London, and, and Australia. Uh, but for now, we've still got strong repeat backing from our major shareholders who want to grow it in the near term until such time as we get critical mass and, and possibly with the completion of this placement, uh, we will have that critical mass in the capital markets. This is a significant placement in that our market cap today is around $200 million. We're raising 100. So in this one placement, we're going to grow by 50%. Uh, that'll, that'll change our profile in the capital markets around the world. Yeah, it, 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 it will. Okay, so that answers the question of why why be public when you've got access to capital like that? So your main shareholders want to, want to try that, but they will eventually kind of relinquish some of the equity um, to to you know institutional uh, investors around the world because because the liquidity at the moment is problematic, you know, un- until they do that, right? But you know, um, I guess that's fine if the, if the if, if we're clear about the end game here. Um, so right, you, you're raising this money. I'll talk about use of proceeds for that and what you hope to do with that. But let's talk about the two investments you did. We, you've um, talked about this year, which is obviously the Cisco Green um, investment and also the Los Andes uh, investment. So they're not particularly big deals compared to what you've done in the past. I, I guess it's a factor of how much money you had available, um, or is it getting harder to find good deals? No, uh, let's go to Los Andes to begin with. That was the smallest convert we are ever done. Uh, although ISO, our second investment, wasn't much different. That was a six million convert. Uh, Los Andes was five. It was five because that's all they would give me. <laughs> I. I wanted to do 20. I was happy to do 10. And they said, uh, Eduardo, who's the chairman of the company and his family controls the company, uh, was very parsimonious with his shares, rightly so, because they were very undervalued. Uh, and he said, Warren, uh, $5 million, that's all we can do for now. And Frankly, they didn't need any more money. So we did that. I wish I had more, but the stock has obviously performed exceptionally well and will continue, I think, to perform very well. It's a massive ore body, copper ore body in Chile, classic porphyry. Uh, so that'll do well. Uh, that's Los Andes. As I say, I wish I had more of it, but it's still working out well. Uh, the last one we did was a Cisco Green. A Cisco Green was a bit of an abnormality in that it's not a convert. Uh, and, and when I talked to the fellows behind the Cisco, uh, Sean Rusin and John Bursinski, uh, the first thing I said was, well, first of all, guys, you do realize it's at the time, 2021, and SPACs were so 2020. Uh, like, get with the program here. Uh, you're six months behind schedule and B you guys have tremendous capital markets access in Canada. You've made billions for shareholders. You really don't need me. And they came back and said, Warren, we hear you, but two things to respond. One, we think that this is not really a SPAC. It's just backing a bunch of guys who really know what they're doing. 
And two, we think you can really help us in terms of value add, in terms of identifying projects and, and getting the right deal. So that's how I got involved with it. The more I thought about it, it's a synthetic convert. The nature of SPACs is that if you don't like the de-SPACing transaction, you simply ask for your money back. And so that's effectively your secured position. That's effectively the nominal amount of a convertible debenture. I get my money back after a certain period of time. And so with the SPAC, I have that option. Secondly, I'm not just a shareholder of the SPAC. I'm a founder of the SPAC, along with Sean Rusin and John Brzezinski in the Osisco group. And as a founder, you get certain rights and privileges. And those rights and privileges are effectively the coupon on the convert. No, I'm not getting 8.5% coupon every month, but I do get an uplift on the despacking transaction when it occurs and if I like it. So as a result, the more I thought about it, this is a synthetic convert as long as I'm a founder of this pack. Talked to my shareholders, they agreed. So we made a $20 million investment in the Cisco Green, which is more along the right size for us and more consistent with other things that we've done in the past. Don't lose my money. You, you, you got options on that one. Okay. Um, no, but it's an important point because, you know, sometimes when I, you know, when I look at, say, royalty and streaming companies, you know, one of the, the big things that CEOs are very keen to, to talk to me about is say, oh, we've got access to deals in the market. Oh, we've got, we, we've got relationships. And then those relationships and access to fall by the wayside very, very quickly. They don't have as much as they thought. And you, I know you do do royalty, streaming and royalty. You certainly look at it, but you're, you're, you're a convert guy, right? So um, I just wondered how you viewed the makeup of that at Cisco um, Greendale, and was it just a kind of boys' club of, well, let's let's work, let's just agree to work together, and we'll 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 see what it turns into. But I think I agree with you. It feels feels like a synthetic convert. You, you, you've got options there, so that's that's interesting, right? Let's move forward. Look, you've just you've done the private placement. Hundred, well, you've got to close. You you, you got firm on eighty million of that from the guys. You've got twenty million to close. I, I'm sure you'll announce it when, when that happens, but it'll be reasonably imminent. You've got to have a view as to what you're going to do. It's going to be more of the same. But where are these deals coming from? To, to my earlier point, because you. You need good deals. You've always told me about, you know, I think we talked last time, which is good corporate structure. You're going to make sure that they do have good corporate structure. They're in the right jurisdiction. Um, and fundamentally, the assets are, are solid. They're, 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 they're good assets, right? So I understand the criteria by which you invest. Are you going to be able to find any? Have you got some in mind already with this $100 million? Or is it a case of um, continually assessing and you'll, you'll see? Because there wasn't a lot of deal making in 2021. Is it going to be more deal making in 2022? Yeah, and and the deal making in 2021, to be frank, was constrained by my lack of capital. By the beginning of the year, I'd pretty much spent everything that was in the tilly, tiller. Uh, so uh, uh, and even the last one, the Cisco Green, we financed by borrowing money by BMO uh, from BMO uh, at very attractive rates, but we still had to borrow the money. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, we had to be cautious with our capital. And at the same time, at the end of the year, we wanted to have enough capital to pay a dividend. 
So we paid our maiden dividend at the end of our first full year of operation. That was something that I said I would do. And we did it. And we'll pay another one at the end of this year. What was that around? So, so yeah, circa two will, two percent level, is that right? It was. It was. If you were an original investor, it was over four percent return on your original investment. No apologies for the stock price price doubling. So it was a two percent yield on the new higher share price. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, a half decent dividend for your first full year of operation. Where will the new investments come from, uh, Matt? In all honesty, the money's already pretty much spent. <laughs> uh, I have I have a couple of deals under term sheet that would go through the lion's share of that already. Now, no promises. Uh, you know, you can have deals under term sheet and then they fail to close. Guys get cold feet. Markets change and so on. But yeah, uh, we'll have no problems uh, putting this money to work relatively quickly. Uh, then you don't want to run out of money too quickly because you want to do a couple of more deals. Uh, so then I will, uh, you know, be thinking about how quickly do we want to do the next two deals. But yeah, uh, the the pipeline for deals, I, we never, we're never short of opportunities. Uh, there are always places to put this capital to work good projects, good management, relatively safe jurisdictions with half decent coupons. It's always a matter of prioritizing them as long as you have capital. If you don't have the capital, uh, then you really delay it because you want to pick and choose. And we've got the capital now. So. But but you had you, you had capital at the beginning of last year, and I just wondered how how aggressive or how ambitious you're going to be. Now, obviously, no one wants to do a bad deal or just do a deal for the sake of doing a deal, right? You got it's going to be the right deal and, and the right terms. But the thing about your converts is they're fairly standard, right? I, I don't think there's anything exceptional about them. There's lots of convert shops around the world would, would offer similar terms. So what's what's the USP? Why, why have you got access where they haven't? Why are you winning where they haven't? Or, or is there just a big convert market at the moment? First of all, you want to deal with someone who brings soft measures to the table. And the thing about doing a convert with Queen's Road is that we don't short the company. You know, institutional investors, if you do a convert with them, standard capital markets practice, you short the equity, take the convert, keep the coupon, keep the optionality. They don't do that with us. That certificate gets put in my safe right over here, and you don't see it for five years. It's parked. No fun and games in the, in the, in the market. You've just raised your money, and you're done. We're a trusted partner, we're a long-term shareholder. As you know, one of the unique aspects of our converts that is different is that we usually have voting alignment with management. When we're investing in a company, we're investing not only in the ore body, but the management team. And so I've got no qualms whatsoever about supporting that management team by under certain circumstances, mainly under the circumstances of an unwanted suitor knocking at the door, I will give my shares to management to vote how they see fit because they are strongly incentivized to maximize shareholder value. So having a long-term partner that gives you voting alignment 
is very, very important. And having a partner that can be a serial investor that can support you in the long run without selling your stock, and then potentially bring in other investors. And often there are people who follow Queen's Road. I see it every day. Uh, shareholders of mine buy Queen's Road stock, wait to see what we invest in, and then buy the stock of the investee company. So we're starting to have a growing universe of people who follow our investments, which feeds on itself. So all of those reasons mean that the convert itself may not be much more different than what you do with a retail or an institutional convert, but doing it with Queens Road is demonstrably different, demonstrably different. And so as a result, people will deal with us in preference to selling it to an institution. So you guys have got morals. I don't know, I don't know how that's we're, gonna work out for you. We're, we're, <laughs> Matt, Matt, we're just good partners. That's all. That's, we want that, that's to be what a I mean there. Partner in developing yeah. yeah. That's that's what I mean. Yeah. It, you know, and I sort of joke about having morals, but you know, I, I have worked in in that banking background with, with converts and you, you know, we we've kind of got to be a little bit risk off and, and we've got to protect our investors. And that doesn't necessarily always align with the company's objective. So I understand what you're you're saying in terms of making sure that you try to align yourself and that's Kind of refreshing. It's interesting. Okay, um, let, let's kind of move on to. You, you said you kind of got two term sheets out with the bulk of the money allocated to them. What you won't be able to tell us about them until you've kind of closed that. But what what commodities are we talking about? What jurisdictions are we talking about? What sort of scale of of, of uh, operation are we talking about? Are you step, stepping things up again after last year's um, two smaller ones? Yeah, I, I think the answer to that question is, yes, they'll be a little bit larger. Uh, yes, they'll be in new jurisdictions, so we'll get geographic diversification. Yes, they'll be in different commodities, so we'll get commodity diversification. Uh, and yes, they'll be in different stages of development. So we'll have all of that increased diversification, which by portfolio theory, means a lower risk portfolio with just as good returns, if not better, but lower risk. Uh, so that is precisely what we'll be doing. Okay. And we've talked in the past about capital efficiencies as well. I guess this is all part of that. Definitely. I mean, when people ask me, Warren, what are you going to do with the money? And the knee jerk answer to that question is, Stick to our knitting, more of the same. Sometimes when you say more of the same, people say, well, I lose interest. Why would I be interested? You're just going to do more of the same. More, what does more of the same mean for Queen's Road? More of the same means everything that I've just described means continued returns, but at lower risk. Lower risk is a good thing. The other thing it means is we're significantly larger than we were at this time two weeks ago. That size gives us critical mass in the marketplace, which means uh, more profile, more interest from institutions, index players start to get involved, more attention from banks, 
more liquidity, which you mentioned earlier, which is something we will be addressing and needs to be addressed and will be addressed, but you can't address it until you get a certain scale. This will bring us to a scale which I think will have a significant impact on our liquidity. All of those things lead to higher share price. And then the third thing, what does it mean? And you, you mentioned it right off the top, capital efficiency. Last year, portfolio of about $50 million in converts that pays 8%. So I've got $4 million coming in the door. It costs me $2 million to run the business, public company, pay for this office, pay for all three of our employees. So $2 million left over, and I told shareholders, whatever's left over, that's your dividend. Well, last year, about $2 million, there's your dividend. Next year, my portfolio is $100 million in converts, paying me 8%. I don't have four, I have eight. Now I have free cash of not two, but six. It's tripled. That's capital efficiency. I can now raise my dividend and I can raise my dividend much more than one might expect simply by increasing the size of the company by 50%. So that higher dividend will mean more money in my shareholders' pockets and probably translate to a higher share price as well. So all of those things, when you come down to it, more of the same should mean more liquidity, higher share price, and less risk. My next question is, is around how you dealt with the maiden dividend and what your shareholders, because you, you make five phone calls or maybe possibly eight, and say, hey, we're going to do this slightly differently. Right, we're 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 going to use this as part of the share repurchase program. To who, who's in that that conversation? I imagine was quite easy. These guys aren't uh, they're, they're not short of a bob or two. They've got money. Um, that was probably an easy decision because you, you're kind of delivering on the on, on the numbers side of things. But when you go to retail, because you're talking about you know addressing the uh, liquidity component, you're going to open it up to more more retail, presumably, or or, or high net worths. That, that's going to be a different conversation for you further down the line. You'll, you'll have to come at it a, a slightly different way. Or do you feel that actually, no, I'll be able to comfortably demonstrate um, that this is an efficient use of capital to do the share repurchase program this way, but utilizing the dividend? Yeah, the way the dividend evolved, Matt, uh, was an interesting process. And it did, it evolved. You know, my maiden dividend, I wanted to keep the logistics simple, uh, and I wanted to keep the messaging sim simple. I told everyone when I would raise the money originally, I will pay you a dividend at the end of each year, just like I did for 10 years with Mr. Lee. I will do it with Queen's Row. The end of the year came and I said, there, I've got my free cash flow. Here's my dividend. So I called up my largest shareholders and said, this is the plan. They said, Warren, we heard you. We heard you. You're going to pay us a dividend. But as you said, we don't need the money. We don't want the money. Why don't you institute a DRIP? DRIP is a dividend reinvestment plan. So that we'll take shares instead of the cash. And I said, I hear you, but you know, I've only got three employees and that takes man time, man effort and man hours. And it's not that much money. 
why don't you just take the dividend? No, we want a drip. So my two employees, hats off to them, scrambled, created a drip plan, which the Toronto Stock Exchange signed off in a week. And we gave shareholders a choice. You can either take the cash or you can take shares in lieu of cash as part of the drip. Further, any money that we don't spend on the dividend that we had planned to spend, we will go into the market and use that cash to repurchase shares so that we lower dilution in terms of shares get, that get issued by the company. And that has pleased, I think, everyone. I think it's a great system. If you want paper, you get paper. If you want cash, you get cash. And whatever cash the company saves, we're in the market buying shares as part of our repurchase program. So uh, that's a virtuous circle that I think worked out very well. And I think we'll continue it this year. Okay. Th no, thanks for explaining it. I, 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 we, we had a few questions sent in about you know, what, why, why have they done it like this? Um, so just in terms of looking, looking forward, you, you got a couple of term sheets out on big, big, big projects and some others that you're looking at. What do you think the timing is going to be in terms of announcements to the market? Because you're, again, in terms of being a, having gone from private to public, um, do you find yourself, you know, needing to put more news into the market? More, do you feel under pressure to do that? Because you can't be kind of a bit frugal with the, with the news releases here. <laughs> Yeah, Matt, that is, that is one way of putting it. Uh, I, I don't want to bore shareholders with non-announcements. Every time we make an announcement, it's because we're doing something material and we want everyone to know about it. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're not a typical exploration company that uh, wakes up in the morning and tells you whether the sun is shining or not today. Uh, so we'll, we'll never be that. But certainly, as our portfolio grows, uh, you know, we started off with two investments very quickly, then went to five, and now we'll go to eight or nine. Material developments at those underlying companies will obviously be more frequent, and we'll have a reason to come to market just to tell people what's going on with that portfolio of investments, and in particular, whatever the most recent development is on those companies. So those will be interesting for shareholders and we'll start to do that more regularly as the portfolio grows. But the most important announcements are the ones where we say, this is real. This is what we're doing. We're investing in this. We're investing in that. Take note and watch accordingly. Uh, they'll always be relevant. So tell me this, you know, in terms of, let, let's say this thing opens up and, and retail high net worth family obviously get a bit more access to this. How should they view this? Because compared to a royalty and streaming company, they have much longer uh, sort of annuity stream of, of revenues. It takes a while to kind of get there, but when they get there, um, they're, they're picking up their, whatever their NSR is, um, you know, they're born at more than 2%, but it's over 10, 15, 20 years. Converts are obviously shorter. They can be three, five, seven. I, I guess I've seen them up to 10 as well. Higher coupon and with the obviously the upside of, you know, converting to equity at a predetermined price, right? So it, there's, it's a, it's a, it's a different mechanic 
At the end of the day, the company gets cash, uh, like they would with the royalty and stream, uh, but your return profile is slightly different um, and over a, sh a shorter period of time. So you, you, you're going to need to do more deals than a typical royalty and streaming company. But in terms of the portfolio structure, because if I, if I look at most royalty and streaming companies, if let's say they have 100, not many of those are actually going <laughs> to work out, right? So th there is that. And they're going to be reliant on you know a handful of uh, the royalties that they've got out working for them. You need to be much more certain, and given that it's mining, it's always going to be difficult. You need to be much more certain about what you're putting your money into. So, how would you compare? How should we look at you in relation to say royalty and streaming? No, uh, <clears throat> Matt, that's a great, great question. We've actually got a slide in our presentation on the website that shows all the attributes of royalty and streaming companies versus Queens Road. And I think it's a really interesting slide, one that doesn't get as much attention as it should. I spent a great deal of time crafting that when I was putting the business plan of the company together two years ago. And on that slide, it ticks every single box regarding what are the advantages of royalty and streaming companies, all the things you just mentioned, what does Queen's Road do? Every single one of those things we do, plus royalty company, they only get a stream, they only get an income when the company they invested in or the ore body they invested in is finally finished exploration, finished all the development, finished all the permitting, finished being built, finished going through all their teething problems and is finally producing something. Our investments give us a cash return on day one. They pay, as soon as we close, the income starts coming in. Doesn't matter whether you've got your permit, doesn't matter if you're still drilling holes, doesn't matter if, share price, or if, if metal prices have come down and so it's not returning as much as we thought. Uh, we get paid from day one. So that is a huge advantage over the royalty companies. The difference, as you quite rightly point out, is once you get lucky with a royalty and it is on a good property, it will pay for the usually life of mine. Our converts are generally speaking five-year maturity. I don't view that as a disadvantage. I view that as a great advantage because as you say, Nine times out of 10, that royalty investment doesn't amount to anything. Or five years later, we're still waiting. But you don't get to redeploy that capital. That capital is gone, it's sunk, and will never come back. I get to redeploy my capital every five years. That money gets repaid, I can redeploy it in a new name, or I can redeploy it in exactly the same deposit. If I think it's a great ore body and it just hasn't quite got there yet, I can redeploy it in the same company. I can simply extend my maturity. So instead of having it end, and we've done this with, uh, with Mr. Lee in NextGen, we just extended the maturity for another year or two and just keep the dividends coming. So I think I have two significant advantages over the royalty companies. The only place that I'm, that's not recognized right now 
is in the share price because as you know royalty prices uh, royalty companies tend to trade at 1.1 to 2.9 times NAV whereas we trade right about NAV oftentimes a little discount to NAV and the share placement is actually occurring at a discount to our current NAV once people recognize that slide and the advantages that our structure provides to shareholders, I think we'll trade very comparably to royalty companies at a premium to NAV. Uh, 